but speaking of people who are you know speaking of being an ass you know i think the the las vegas raiders team tend to be a team that people like to be an ass towards um you know they 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 look at this team and it's been downtrodden and trodden as of late john gruden coming over and hiring make mike mayock you've got a little bit of probably you know people who want to pick on them as well um Derek carr has had his issues easy to want to pick on him for stuff but this is an interesting team um and and so you know this is probably my second my second favorite team in the afc west and i like following the afc west i always have um i've always been a raiders fan back since you know people made references to cliff branch um you know i know that um you know he's been kind of made fun of recently but that's because they were probably in they weren't even uh, a thought in their parents mind when they when cliff branch was like ruling the league as a as like the tyreek hill of his day um but listen um when we look at the raiders Derek carr didn't have a bad year last year you know he still he still has some issues when it comes to you know some wild decision making at at moments under pressure because he doesn't like pressure. Dwayne and Mark Schofield did a great job um, on an RSP article looking at the film and data that shows that if you give him play action, if you let him, you know, make plays on script, very good. Quarterback rating plummets down the the sinkhole, basically, when it's not those situations. So they bring in Marcus Mariota. Well, if I'm going to make fun of the Raiders, I'm going to say you basically took the frying pan and threw it into the fire if you're going to like actually have Marcus Mariota thinking that you're going to like replace Derek Carr with Marcus Mariota because Marcus Mariota is not very good under pressure. He can run fast, doesn't necessarily know where he's running to, doesn't necessarily know how to manage a pocket, um, and he's not all that great with his accuracy. Um, so, and he's robotic on top of that, you know, Tom Brady's robotic, but Tom Brady turned his robotic into the point that he's more like, you know, think of some science fiction, like probably data from Star Trek, you know, where it's like, you know, you almost don't even recognize that he's a robot sometimes. Whereas like Marcus Mariota is more like, um, you know, lost in space. So, you know, from that, that's a second lost in space reference. I haven't even seen that show in like... 50 years probably or well i've been alive 50 years so let's say 40 um looking at the running backs listen josh jacobs is one of the best young running backs in this league he's going to emerge this year he looked pretty darn good last year didn't catch the ball an awful lot but probably because john gruden being kind of an older school coach wants to make sure that his pass protections are good and let's not load too much on the guy let's let him evolve a little bit we're going to let him catch passes next year because he's a hell of a receiver. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But they still have Jalen Richard, who's a, a, I would call him the underrated James White of the AFC West. Um, but that basically means that, um, you know, the AFC West version of James White isn't all that productive, but he can be when called upon. He's an interesting player and a little underrated. They brought in Lynn Bowden Jr. Everybody's excited about Lynn Bowden Jr. He's, you know, Kentucky wide receiver who got called into quarterback duty and ran the ball an awful lot out of the quarterback position, um, which has people excited about him being a running back. Personally, I think the Raiders are making a mistake, putting him in at running back rather than letting him continue to be a wide receiver. Um, he has terrific contact balance. I mean, like terrific contact balance for his size. But there's a difference between scrambling around as a running back and running keepers and actually reading an offensive line. You know, but again, we're in a state where running backs don't matter, so they're going to go ahead and throw him in because it just doesn't matter. They, I guess, they think, and then they'll be using him. He'll be on another team in a couple years. Rod Smith is a good, um, is a is an underrated kind of fullback running back type who can you know do some decent work when called upon. Should be a much better player than he was, but um, got kicked out of Ohio State after a couple of chances and. The Cowboys, you know, he kind of languished behind Ezekiel Elliott. What are you going to do? Um, but I think he can play. Devontae Booker, um, I'll be interested to see if he actually makes a team. He might do to COVID reasons, but um, he's one of those guys that 
basically has no compass but a jetpack strapped to his ass and, <laughs> and and you know he might blow a hole through the defense on certain some runs and it looks like he's got preternatural talent but i gotta tell you his eyes are closed so it's it, it really it really wasn't as good as people thought um when we look down at the receiving core a lot of influx of talent here henry ruggs speedster unbelievable speed could play in the slot could play outside tyra williams is still there He's a pretty good player. He's a pretty good player. Not great. And he's in a contract year. So they brought in Brian Edwards, who's having a nice camp, who Derek Carr said today or recently, we just have a connection. I just trust him. I know where he's at. Brian Edwards, I think, was my fifth rated receiver in the RSP um, and kind of thought he was a little underrated because people were going off about his hands, which he seemed to correct in his senior year he's big he's strong he wins the ball and he can run after the catch and p and he got some comps to Devonte adams from Derek carr and you go well wait a minute what does he know about Devonte adams well then you don't watch college football because they played together <laughs> okay so he knows a little something about Devonte adams um then you got hunter renfro who john you know i think was john gruden's personal pet maybe mike mack's personal pet um but, you know, when it's kind of like maybe that pet turtle that, you know, like in Stranger Things that I'm watching where Dustin in Stranger Things takes the turtle out of the terrarium and puts the the holly wobble or whatever that thing is that I watched just before Dwayne and I came on um, that he's feeding three musketeer bars to. Um, so, you know, I think that, you know, Brian Edwards is going to be that monster that's going to be in the terrarium where as opposed to, Hunter Renfro was the turtle that Dustin took out and put on the floor somewhere. So, you know, he's going to have to look somewhere else. And then we're hearing from Vic Defer, the, the noted beat writer, talking about Nelson Aguilar. Listen, Aguilar, great after the catch, quick, hands issues, kind of got over him a little bit, maybe didn't, sometimes does, sometimes doesn't, gets labeled a little bit. But they think that he's going to, you know, Victor Furr thinks that he's going to take a, a significant number of touches away from Ruggs, Williams, and Edwards, and Renfro, and whoever else is at the wide receiver core. That's fine. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, Derek, Derek Wall, Darren Waller, probably the best receiver on the team. He's a wide receiver, plays tight end, puts his hand people in the People are missing this guy. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't understand what people don't see. You know what it is? It's because he had so few touchdowns. I really don't give a flip about the touchdowns. All I know is that he's big, he's fast, he's a mismatch. He's quick. Who, who can cover this guy? Exactly. No linebacker can cover this guy. Right. Just right. Let him run a drag, and he's going to be open at some yeah. point. Drag route, corner routes. You know, deep, deep crossers, post routes up the seam, seam routes. You know, just hand him the football on a jet sweep. They did that last year. They did that the year before when they when they acquired him for pocket change from the Baltimore Ravens. He's the best receiver on the team. Oh, I'm worried he's not going to get targeted. I've got people writing me like, and if you're listening to me and you know who you are, I love you, man. I'm glad that you write me and you please keep writing me because it's fun talking with you. But you're not alone when you say to me, I'm worried that he might not get enough targets with these other guys. That's like a common thing with fantasy folks. And I just wrote you like one, two words today. And it was, he's good. Like, don't trade him. He's good. That's all I said. And, I, and I'll just say that to you. is like the quick way of saying it. He's good. What are you thinking, anybody out there who thinks he's going to, like, regress? Okay. Um, so, and you get Jason Witten, who, like, hey, listen, he's still a good red zone player. He can still block. He can still, he can still like, be sudden on those underneath routes where you just flip around, you know, on the stop route. He's got that old man game. Um, he can still be a, 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 enough of a factor in some moments that I'm excited about him being there on a lesser scale, not a fantasy scale. So if they can, and they've got a good offensive line. This is a very good offensive line. If they can get a little better in pass protection, these receivers can jibe with Derek Carr. This can be really good. But the biggest issue that's scary is young receivers, Derek Carr, how much... Does that does he force offensive line to overtax them to tax themselves? Can we have some problems? Run game, I'm not the least bit worried about. If you're not drafting Josh Jacobs in the first round, I'm sorry. 
Well, no, I'm not. Please be in my league because I I would love to be with Nick Chubb and Josh Jacobs at the turn or and be able to get them. And then I could pick up jo- James Conner later too and have three top 10 running backs because that's where I believe this is going to go. So I, I'm just going to, I'll start off and just say I've been going long anyway at this point. So no, I won't. You just go ahead. You tell me what the layout is, what the numbers here. Uh, yeah, this is this is how the Raiders offense is going to be with Derek Carr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah just a quick like zoom out that's all awesome I, 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 yeah we can jump into those players uh just kind of the the set the table thing you know there's a team that won five games last year their average margin of victory was minus 6.6 um you know so i mean you only win fifth game five games you're losing by almost a touchdown um that's that's not great but to your point, there's a lot of things that are going good for them. I really like their offensive line, Matt. Um, you know, so, I mean, if you look at them across the board, Miller, Incognito, Hudson, Jackson, Brown, all of those guys, while none of them may be the elite top, top players at their position, they're all, they're all better than average or they're good. So you have a cohesive unit. You don't really have a hole in the offensive line. I mean – Miller struggled a little bit, you know, and he was a bit of a surprise pick, you know, last year being a first round pick. But having said all that, he'll be coming into his second year. So if there is a concern, it's him. But the rest of the line is pretty lock solid. You know, I know folks were kind of offended by the amount of money they they, they paid, you know, Trent Brown when he came over. But he was OK. You know, he he held up. He, he wasn't an elite pass blocker, but, you know, he was good enough. So. I really like them as run blockers. I think as pass blockers, they're a little more suspect, but it's, yeah. but it's not bad. So anytime you have an offensive line that's coming back together in whole from this previous season and they are all decent or at least or have upside to be better, I think that's a positive thing you always want to call out. So I get excited about that, you know, for the Raiders. Um, the Vegas has them at seven and a half wins. Their home Vegas team at seven and a half wins. Uh, PFF also has them at seven and a half. Um, Gruden can be a little bit of a wet blanket on pace <laughs> and on, you know, volume. You know, he's much more of a methodical, but that, that's not necessarily bad. Andy Reid's the same way. You know, they come out and run 950 plays every year, but, you know, they use their time. They get to the line of scrimmage. They look at everything. Tony Romo used to be that way with the Cowboys. Even though it was no huddle all the time, he would drain the clock to one second because he's setting everything up. You see Mahomes doing a lot of the same things. The Raiders, you see more John Gruden like signaling it in to Derek Carr versus Derek Carr like leading it all. Uh, you know, not to say that Carr doesn't do some of that, but you know, they take the clock down a lot, so they don't necessarily have a lot of pace, which can be a little bit of a wet blanket on fantasy production. But I've got them at 950 uh, total plays and 55% pass, 45% run, very similar to what we just talked about, you know, with the Broncos. So that's 523 passing attempts, 431 run, uh, rush attempts. Um, graded out as the 11th overall uh, offensive line, according to PFF, um, in the preseason grades. And a lot of what they look at, right, again, is, you know, the consistency across, you know, the starters, you know, so having all five, you know, that gets them into the top 12 um, for the year. So I think that's a a very positive thing for them. Um, I'll go ahead and hop over into, you know, who you've already mentioned, Derek Carr, and just talk a little bit, you know, about Carr. Um, So from a perspective of, you know, some of the things you talked about, I think those are all very true. Now, last year he did have a better season than what a lot of people probably think. Um, and it's interesting how they did it. You know, his, his average depth of target was the lowest in his career, but he posted a career high yards per attempt. So 7.9 yards per attempt, despite a 6.9 average depth of target. So his um, yards after contact or sorry, yards after the catch for his receivers jumped to 4.3. Let them do so, their jobs. And, yeah. And and a lot of that was Waller, honestly. And we'll get to him again in, in a minute because, I mean, I can't say enough positive things about the guy. Um, but what Waller was able to do really is what made that offense click last year. And now you're going to put some additional run after the catch weapons, you know, because Ruggs is not going to be somebody they're just running down the field deep. I think he'll definitely get some deep shots. But Ruggs is going to operate in a similar area. And there's a real opportunity in the middle of the field to create some pretty crazy mismatches for safeties and cornerbacks when you pair Waller and what Ruggs' speed could do. And then you have, you know, Tyrell Williams, to your point, on the outside who can still stretch the vertical boundary of the field. You know, he can make some contested catches if he needs to. It's not like his strength, but he's decent at it. 
Um, and then Edwards, right? I mean, and we haven't even mentioned Renfro yet, but looking at Edwards, to me, that's like would be the optimal. If it ended up being those three guys rotating and mixing and matching who's in the slot, who's outside. And I like Hunter Renfro, but I would prefer that trio plus Darren Waller. Now you're cooking, in my opinion, yeah. um, as far as what you can do. Um, basically, to me, that's back to that rule of three, right? If you get to that situation where they're all playing up to speed, that could be really good you know, for Derek Carr, as much as I give him a hard time, I put a meme on Twitter. I think some people thought I was being mean. And I put, I put, <laughs> I put Uh-oh. this, you know, thing of John Gruden, you know, talking to Carr on the sideline and Carr's just kind of got this blank look and Gruden's got that, you know, kind of whisper voice. And I sub captioned it, you know, and I put, Hey, if you're going to check it down, at least get it to rugs, not Richard. It's third and eight. <laughs> and on the other hard outside i had car say i don't know coach seems kind of risky should we just punt so sorry that was just me trying to have some fun i wasn't trying to be a complete dick maybe it was kind of being a dick but i, I that wasn't my intention i was just ha- I, I thought it was funny but anyway um you know his touchdowns per attempt were 4.1 percent and a 70 percent completion percentage rate last last year so i mean car you know i mean if you look at him and this isn't me comparing him, you know, saying he's this guy, but if there's a path for Derek Carr to turn into more, Drew Brees is who he should look to. Drew Brees has lived off of precise accuracy on underneath routes, making the right read. And, you know, look at Drew Brees, you know, I mean, he does such a good job of knowing where he wants to go and letting his players do the work. You know, he doesn't, he finds himself in a lot of situations where he doesn't have to deal with the pressure, you know? So I think there's a positive there, right? For Derek Carr. So I'm not just a complete car basher, Um, but under pressure, he was eight of 35 quarterbacks. So, I mean, that's a, that's a positive Um, on negative plays. He was two of 35 again, very similar to, to a profile, right? Of a Drew Brees, but here's where things get a little bit different for him. His big time throws only 27 out of 35, you know, his, uh, positive, you know, throws only 25 out of 35. So while he avoids the negative and he, and he actually got a little better last year under pressure, um, on third down, he was five out of 35. So in some critical spots, he was doing well. Um, he just doesn't seem to have that mentality, Matt, of being able to when he needs to, and it doesn't have to be all the time to go for the jugular, you know, just to trust his guys a little more, not think everything's got to be perfect and just embrace it, you know, and, you know, throw a couple more picks, Derek Carr. It'll do you good, you know, just because I think you could prove to yourself that you can pull off more of those plays that actually are game winning potential plays and and your coaches are going to be fine, you know, because what could happen is you throw an extra 10 touchdowns, but you, because you threw an extra two picks, they'll take that trade, you know, every time. And I think now, you know, he's going to get back to having the weapons, um, you know, that he was more accustomed to before when he had Amari Cooper and he had Michael Crabtree. So I think that those things are positive, Matt. So where I have Derek Carr right now, as much as I may rag on him, I've got him at a 69% completion rate, 7.75 yards per attempt, 4,049 yards, 24 passing touchdowns, and this is a median. There's room for upside in that passing touchdown number, and I've got him at eight picks. Um, now, he doesn't bring you much on the ground, which is the other problem. for fan- If you're a fantasy player, that – you know, he's a guy that, you know, he's not like the most athletic, but you, you see him quite often where you're like, Derek, you could like just run for that. Like, that's easy. That's like seven yards and you're going to get out of bounds. Just just take off. Um, he doesn't do it. He just doesn't. You know, he never has. So 25 attempts, um, 50 rushing yards, no rushing touchdowns. So he doesn't get any kind of boost there like some of these other guys. Um, and that's really what kind of holds him back in my fantasy rankings. I think if he could just do that a little more, um, it would help him. But I do think, again, I think there's upside here, uh, you know, for him, because if you look at what he did that with last year, Matt, I would argue, I mean, I don't know how we would quantify it, but the, the, the influx of talent, I mean, I would say it's, he's going to play in an offense that should be theoretically from a weapon standpoint, at least two to three times better. Yeah. I mean, those are great points. I just think the, the biggest issue we have now and, you know, is, they're young players. How how quick yeah. will they adjust? Yeah. And John Gruden, if there's any criticism of him that I would <laughs> definitely be on board with, is that he throws a crap ton at younger players, makes them drink through the fire hose, and sometimes 
they sink or swim pretty. He's a little harsh with rookies, I think. Poor so, Jerry Porter just never worked out, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> so I have, I'm similar to you. I, I have more plays. I have a 1,012 plays, but I do have them at 55-45 in terms of pass-run split. Um, and with Carr, I have them at 563 attempts, 390 completions, 69% completion percentage. I'm at 4,448 yards for 7.9 once again um, in terms of yards per attempt. I'm at 26 touchdowns, 4.6% of, of his attempts, and 14 interceptions, which is 2.5% of his attempts. Um, I'm attributing the interceptions, again, to the young receivers. Um, then, you know, I've met a touchdown um, rushing on 24 attempts for 47 yards. Not much different. 18th ranked fantasy quarterback at this point. Um, again, a guy who in a bigger league can give you starter production. Even in a 12-team league can occasionally do that with matchups. Um, but you don't want him as your quarterback one. Yeah. By Ma- mainly in play and yeah, mainly in play in super flex formats. Otherwise, it's a guy that quite often doesn't get drafted. But I, I'm keeping my eye on him because to your point, if we're going to, we'll kind of start to figure out is that talent going to click or not? Right. And it could take some time, right? It might be October before it happens, right. but when it does happen, I think there is, you know, some hidden upside, you know, there, there's some headroom, you know, yeah. for car. If, if those things work out. So he's a guy that you can, you know, who knows what all we're going to be facing this year with waiver wires. If COVID, you know, 19 ravages, you know, your team and your starting quarterbacks out, you know, you could be at a point where Derek Carr is the guy you're looking at and you'll be looking for these things that we talked about on the podcast to see if that arrow is pointed up or, or is it down or sideways? Right. And so when you talk about, you know, arrows pointing up, it certainly is the receiving core. Um, and, you know, I, I laugh because I think of the idea of Henry Ruggs and Darren Waller running mesh and like how, mm. how difficult that could be if they yeah. do that. But, um, you know, Rugs. I have him at 71 targets right now. That may not actually work out because Brian Edwards is making enough noise that they're talking about that he may be the one three receiver sets more often. And Rugs may not wind up being the starter right off the bat or being one of the starters right off the bat. But I'm kind of in the, ah, who's kidding who? I think he's going to end up on the field an awful lot. I have him at 71 targets, 36 receptions. He's not going to lead in receptions, even though he's going to lead in targets. Because, again, he's going to get some downfield throws, but he's also going to have, and I don't think they're going to connect as well downfield, obviously, as they will in the middle of the field in the shallow area. I'm at 36 catches, 500 yards for 13.8 yards per catch, and five touchdowns, and a few rushing, you know, a few runs, 21 yards, that's about it. Um, You know, rugs for me, you know, I don't even have him as probably that much of a startable fantasy play. I would have to think that he's probably, you know, further down on my list. I don't see him in my top 36, so I know that he's lower than that. Maybe a flex play. Terrell Williams. Tyrell Williams, I look at him and I think, all right, it just depends on how well Brian Edwards plays because I I kind of consider the Edwards and Williams competing for the same role. But it looks like what Edwards is maybe competing with Henry Ruggs, so that's kind of interesting. But I have... Williams at 64 targets, 42 catches, 600 yards at 14 yards per catch and six touchdowns. And I have Edwards right now before this news, before the news that we heard, I haven't adjusted it yet, but I will probably be adjusting this week because of what I've, I've read 55 targets, 28 catches, 350 yards and a touchdown. I'm probably going to bump him up. I, if you, if anything, I may take away 15 targets from Rugs, add 15 to Edwards, and then probably look at receptions and probably flip flop them a little bit in terms of yardage, and maybe and reduce Hunter Renfro where I have him at 45 targets, 30 catches, 405 yards, um, and probably lower Renfro to the point that he's maybe getting 250 yards as opposed to 405 yards. I think he's going to be odd man out here, especially with Aguilar. You know, they, it seems like they want to force him into the action a little bit. I have him at 32, 26 catches, 271 yards, and a touchdown. So this Raider, my Raiders projections are pretty much in flux in terms of wide receivers. I would tell you, um, you know, 
I will tell you, tune in the next week to what I have for the Raiders, but we're not going to do it next week. So I'll just say Edwards is going to be higher. Tyrell Williams will probably be the the second leading receiver, but might be the most prone to to swings. I would not want to draft him um, where he's valued. I probably would want to do my most investments in Brian Edwards, Henry Ruggs second, um, and then and, and then that's about it for the wide receivers. But then when you look at the real wide receiver in this group, Darren Waller, <laughs> 120 targets. 92 receptions, 1170 yards, and I have him at a conservative three touchdowns. And the reason is, is Jason Witten. Jason Witten's so good in the red zone. I have him at 39 targets, 28 catches, 230 yards, and four touchdowns. Heck, I could see a scenario where Darren Waller scores one touchdown and Jason Witten scores six. You know, but I'm gonna I'm giving Waller a, a benefit of the doubt as getting more touchdowns this year, but not by a lot. You know, I mean, or like getting three touchdowns, not really growing that. And still, Darren Waller at 1,170 yards, 120 targets, 92 catches. Love that. Now, the, and I'll let Dwayne go in a minute here, but I'm going to touch on the the running game in this aspect and then let him go through all of the passing game notables. Josh Jacobs, before he said, I'm going to make 60 catches my goal this year. That's what he said this week. And people were like, well, we're worried about Lynn Bowden. How the hell are you worried about Lynn Bowden? If, like, they made him a running back, first of all. They have Jalen Richard, who's a good pass receiver. And they had Josh Jacobs, who's a better pass receiver than Jalen Richard and Lynn Bowden combined. And they didn't use him as much as a pass receiver because they it, he was a rookie last year. Josh Jacobs is an excellent pass receiver. This 60-catch goal didn't come out of thin air, folks. Somebody told him, get ready to catch the ball more this year. <laughs> Be ready. You know, this isn't like the dumbass who says, I'm going to rush for 2,000 yards this year. I'm going to make that my goal. You know, I mean, no. I think Darren McFadden did that one year. I don't, the year after he was with the Raiders and had that one good season in the gap scheme, then they put him in zone and his game fell apart. But anyway, Josh Jacobs, I'm at 77 targets. 62 catches, 511 yards. I've had him at that pretty much since May. Um, and two touchdowns. I have Jalen Richard at 40 targets, 30 catches, 280 yards, and a touchdown. I have Lynn Bowden at six targets, six catches, 44 yards, and zero touchdowns. And if, you know, and if he does, if he does anything else, I'm a monkey's uncle. I'd fine, whatever. You know, he's... <laughs> He, there's no way. I'm, I'm not even considering him this year. He may do returns. I don't know. Maybe they put him in return duty. But I thought Richard's pretty good at that too. So I don't, I don't understand Lynn Bowden. I think he's a Mike Mayock fever dream. Maybe I don't know. Um, we'll see. Maybe in time. But that's where I'm at with the receivers. Leading receiver Waller, um, Josh Jacobs will actually be the second leading receiver in terms of targets. With a, um, with probably Brian Edwards slightly behind that, and then Terrell Williams, who fades fast down the stretch, and Henry Ruggs, who maybe climbs a little bit down the stretch. Yeah, so a ton of great stuff to jump into here. Um, you know, I'll have to get your, you know, we're 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 pretty far apart from each other on Jacobs on the passing game, um, but I'm gonna I'll start with Waller. I've got him as the leading. I'm with you. I've got him as the leader on the team. Uh, 22% of the targets. That's 115 looks, 83 catches, 12 yards per catch. That's a thousand yards. And I've got him at five touchdowns. Um, you know, he's a player that just should have scored more touchdowns last year. And a little bit of that comes down to luck. Um, I, I agree that Witten could be a little bit of a threat. Um, but I, I mean, and, and Witten, you know, the thing he had, you know, is working with Dak and he had it before with Romo. You know, he was very much, you know, in sync with those guys. So it'll come down to, you know, do he and Derek Carr get to that same, you know, level. And and, and Carr does seem to be a professional, right, that really is studying the game. He's going to get his reps in. We know Witten will stay long and do his thing. So I could totally see that. But I don't have Witten really poaching, you know, from Waller. And plus, I, the thing with Waller is 
I feel like he could easily score two or three more, two or three touchdowns from outside the 20 yard line. I mean, he's just, he's just such a matchup nightmare. So then you only need another two inside, you know, the 10, you know, that are actual end zone targets um, and you easily get to five. So I've got him leading the team. Then I, I have rugs at number two and I'm going to keep rugs here. And here's why just to, you have to take the context of this news that's coming in. Number one today, and I'm, I'm, I'm big on Edwards as well. Um, but the biggest thing is, so Edwards was the starter today with Terrell Williams out. Say uh, Jones, Nelson Aguilar, and Devontae Booker were the starters today. None of those guys are starters. No. So it's like this is a, just a, a crappy headline to get clicks is all this is. Uh, Very now, good. Thank you for that. No, no problem. Now, what I don't want to do is discount the buzz around Edwards, which has been consistent. That has not just been a one-day thing. That has been a drumbeat, if, if you go with the Sigmund Bloom, right, the drumbeat that's building through the months. It's going on with Brian Edwards, and I think Brian Edwards is going to carve out his role. Um, you know, if you look at, you know, some of the other uh, quotes that you can pull and you can see from the coaches, and again, they're still figuring things out too, just like we're trying to, to some extent. They've got a better idea than we do, but nothing's in stone yet. So this could be uh, something we've got to – this is actually a really good team, Matt, if we were to come back and have one final episode where we came back to the three to four teams where we weren't the most sure about and we just quickly hit on the players. This that, that we thought could change the most between now and September, you know, beginning of September, this would be one of the teams that would be on that on that list, in my opinion. Sure. But I, I've got Ruggs as being the second guy. I think what I like about him, what I'm hearing is they're going to move him all over. Yep. Anytime you're the person that's going to get moved all over – that means they're starting to build the offense around you because not all the receivers get to do it. (laughs) He whispers LaVisca Chenault. Yeah, I'm hearing some of that about Chenault too, and I grabbed Chenault in a draft yesterday, Matt. I grabbed Brian Edwards in two uh, redrafts this weekend. I got Brian Edwards in the 17th round and 16th round of those drafts. Uh, One of them I had rugs on as well, and I was like, I'm just going to have them both. I got rugs in the 10th, and then I got him you know, in the 17th, and I was like, so when we come back to have our final episode, I'll just have them both. And whichever one is the one that we think is, is won the role. Great. I've got them. Um, so with Edwards, I mean, sorry, with, with rugs, when I hear those kind of things, it keeps me very encouraged. Um, and I also like what I'm hearing. I think they're going to use him, you know, in the right way. And so I've got him at 18% of the targets. I've got him right there with CD lamb, um, you know, as my two guys that I think, have the best chance to, to really, you know, be rookie performers that could actually help your fantasy team. Jalen Rager, I've got a little bit behind them. I think he's got the same kind of opportunity. I'm a little worried though, that they're just like, yeah, we're going to put him at X. I'm like, is he ready for X? Is he ready for the coverage that's going to bring? Is he ready for I know we'll, we've talked about Philly some, and, and you actually talked about some of these things, but I have more questions about him. Not so much that he's going to th- get the opportunity to play, but is he going to be really ready to handle it all? Whereas, you know, a guy like Ruggs, they're going to move him all over and protect him from some of that, you know, in his rookie season, which I think is great. And then you're going to get the same thing, you know, with CeeDee Lamb. He's going to line up in the slot a lot. He will move outside some. But, you know, he's going to be getting some really, really great matchups in an offense that typically wants to keep three receivers on the field all the time. The one thing I'll say here, um, you know, is the Raiders do like to run 12 and 21 a lot more than like the Cowboys. So it will be important for Ruggs to lock down one of the two top options, right? Because, I mean, they only ran 11 last year, I think like 52% of the time. I have to go back and and look, Matt, but that's pretty low. Gruden likes to bring those big packages in and pound the ball. He likes giving the rock to Josh Jacobs. We'll talk about that in a second. So Ruggs, I do have a second. Then I have the third leading receiver on the team is Tyrell Williams at 14%. That's 73 targets. 46 receptions, 640 yards, and four touchdowns. But then I've got um, Brian Edwards right behind him. And if I'm drafting a receiver in the rounds those two go, I'm going to take Edwards over Williams. Just because I think, even though I've got Edwards slightly behind Williams, if if I were to think one of the two could kind of like pop for like this really nice season, and maybe it's just me being excited about Edwards. I've got him close anyway. I just kind of lean into the guy that I think, you know, could potentially be a better all-round talent you know, even though he is a rookie and that's not to hate on Williams. I've taken Williams with the last selection of in several best ball leagues. You know, people just leave him there. And I'm like, he's going to, he's going to stretch the field. He's still going to have some really big plays. He was actually solid last year inside the 10, inside the five yard line on the end zone. He led the team in the end zone target. 
you know, category. So the guy can do some nice things. So I've got Williams third, then I've got Brian Edwards fourth at 12% of the targets, 63 reception, uh, 63 targets, 38 receptions, 527 yards and four receiving touchdowns. So I've got he and Williams really close. I have the odd man out at this point as Hunter Renfro. He's the turtle, um, man. And I could be I look, I'm going to put this out there. I could easily be wrong. I could easily be wrong. It's not that I hate Hunter Renfro. It's just when I see the way things are shaping up, I think he's going to have a role, but I don't think it's going to be a prominent role. I think he will be a guy that will get on the field in certain situations where maybe they kick rugs outside and then they've got Williams or Edwards outside. And then Renfro is the guy, you know, that can, you know, it's, it's third and four, you know, and he's going to run the whip route, you know, and be your underneath option and maybe give you that, you know, I don't think anybody's going to debate, you know, Renfro's ability to do some nice things right in the short, you know, underneath areas of the field against slot cornerbacks. So I think he still has a role. I just don't see it as being like, you know, a consistent part of the offense. Um, is where my head's at. Now, for the running backs, I've got Josh Jacobs at 7% of the targets. I've got Jalen Richard at 8%, and I've got Lynn Bowden at 5%. So here's my thing, you know, with Jacobs. Um, I agree that he's a good, you know, uh, receiver out of the backfield, and I think he's definitely underrated. I guess the only challenge I, I would have is if they really wanted to throw the ball, you know, to Jacobs – you know, why would they sign, re-sign Jalen Richard, you know, to the deal that they did? And why would they bring in Lynn Bowden and make, you know, and spend an actual decent draft pick on the guy? It's not like they just wasn't a seventh round pick. I guess, sorry, Lynn Bowden. Um, it, it just, it's, it's enough of a concern to me when I pair that with the history of John Gruden, only one time really ever has he ever truly fed a back all the receiving and all the running he's traditionally split those duties apart, you know, to some extent. And it, and it isn't necessarily, again, it's not me thinking Josh Jacobs can't do it. Those are just my, those are my doubts and my concerns. So I have Josh Jacobs in a tier of runners where I've got Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, you know, Henry was there. We'll have to go, you know, Derek Henry we'll talk about later, but Darrington Evans is, you know, sitting over in the corner with his diaper on pooping on himself. So right now Derrick Henry could be in for a full-time role. Um, if Evans can't get that together, I don't think he's going to see those looks that Deion Lewis had. Um, but if I look at this situation, <clears throat> you know, I can't remember now, Matt, like why am I blanking on the third back that is in that tier? That should be really easy for me. But anyway, um, I see him as one of these guys, you know, that he could lead the league in rushing easily. I'm a little, I'm a little more prove it to me, John Gruden, not Josh Jacobs, John Gruden, prove it to me that you're willing to not just freaking, you know, you know, have to have these trinkets involved. You know, it's like you always feel it's like almost sometimes he overdoes it. It's like, dude, you got this really good player. Just let him go. Just let him go. You know, unless you're worried about the injuries or something. We don't know something behind the scene, you know, with the shoulder. Um, just just let this guy go because I'm with you. Um, you know, but where you have him projected as a receiver, uh, I mean, that should would, be. It, it's going to, it, it is where he, it is where he should be. And man, if that happens, Matt. Yeah. He's a top six fantasy running back this season. He's going to run behind a good line. He could be in some scripts where things get out of hand. But if you're if if, if you're staying on the field as the receiver, those things are fine. You know, he's my number the, six running back. Yeah. So right now I've yeah. got him. You know, down in that you know ten to fourteen range. Yeah. You know, and I still I love the player. I love what I saw from him last year. I, I'm just scared of John Gruden when I put together. Well, you resigned Richard. You, you brought on Lynn Bowden, you felt like, or Bowden, you felt like you had to do that, which I don't get. Um, when did then, they draft Bowden? What, fourth round? I thought it was third. It might have been fourth. I'll have to, I'll look it up. Okay. So as you're talking, I'll give you my, my thoughts on that is, I get, I, I think you're, you're right that that's the sphere is that there's these different trinkets, but Josh Jacobs is a special talent. And I think third round. they're going to, they're going to consider him that. I don't think the Raiders. I think the Raiders drafted Bowden as an athlete that they want to shape, and they're gonna. They said they're gonna start him at running back. That doesn't mean necessarily they're gonna finish him at running back. And I think they like the talent there, but um, I just I think this is a case where all the where the fantasy folks are looking at draft capital and not the ability of the player. Um, and maybe the maybe the GM is looking at draft capital and not the ability of the player too. Um, but. I, I just think that 
when you see this, Richard, I think, is at the final year of his contract, maybe. I don't know if he is, or maybe he just got extended. But he's yeah, a son. He got, yeah, he got a new, he got re-upped. This he got offseason. re-upped. Okay. So, they're, you know, Josh Jacobs is depth to them because we know Devontae Booker ain't going to be it, you know. Right. So, uh, you know, they might hope he is, and then they put him on the field, and when they see him closing his eyes and running into a gap, they'll take him off the off the field like the Broncos did repeatedly and kept telling the John Elway, dude, he runs with his eyes closed. Will you please, will, will you please um, stop making us put him on the field? Um, but as a result of that, you've got Jacobs and Richard. Richard's just a nice multi-purpose tool. I think Lynn Bowden is the guy that they hope can be a change of pace for them, but I think he's too far away. I think this is one of those Tavon Austin type of picks, you know, where you you want. Well, they, they, and they also talk a lot about Taysom Hill, right? When they yeah. talk about Bowden, you know, yeah. and being able to run the RPOs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And again, you know, that's kind of similar to what you know some of the things the Saints do. Yeah. Rashard was the bigger thing for me because here's here's where a lot of receptions come for the running back position is in the two-minute offense. Whether it's in the two-minute drill or whether it's you're behind and you just got to get out there and press the gas and you have somebody sitting next to you. The problem is I worry that's still Richard. I think Jacobs could naturally get more looks, you know, on first, second, third downs and close games um, where the down and distance fit. My concern is that when you are into the make-up things mode or you're in a true third and eight, right, a true – everybody knows it's a passing down. Um, I, I just worry that Richard is going to be the guy on the field. And I just, you know, I, I don't like that they re-signed him. I don't like that. That's valid. Know, has this and, bad yeah. history. It just scares me. But, it's, uh, man, it's totally you, where, where you get him in fantasy drafts right now, I'll tell you what, if he hits your projections, he could, uh, and I know you don't, you know, necessarily always win or lose your league, even though Adam Hartstead did a great article on that, sure. you know, here at Football Guys. You know, you get Jacobs in the second round, mid-second, and he hits what you just talked about. Um, I remember I, that was Todd Gurley for me three years ago when everybody had written him off and Sean McVay had first come in. Maybe it was four years ago. Everybody had written him off. And every time in the second round, I was taking Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley. And it was the same kind of thing. It was, well, Lance Dunbar is going to be the guy that's going to get the third down looks. And I was like, And Todd Gurley's not a care. good runner. And Le'Veon Bell's, you know, so, not fast. And, and Nick Chubb's too hurt. <laughs> People don't flip and know running backs from their ass. <laughs> so, so I mean, I, I could totally, you know, be wrong. You definitely make me want to buy, you know, some more shares of Jacobs, um, you know, and I love the talent. I just, it's tough for me to put him there. And maybe I do need to give him a little bit of a bump. But, I mean, I've, I've got him as my number 12 PPR back right now. Um, I've got him at 246 uh, PPR points. Uh, non PPR 216 half point PPR 231. So I got his floor as being inside the top 24, and I got his ceiling as being inside the top 12. But that's not accounting for a target load like what you're talking about. If he gets that, he'll be in the top six. Well, you're, you know, that's what you're being is reasonable. You're not saying that he's washed up, you know, or that he's not quick enough to play in the NFL or that he's too banged up and he's not he's a shell of himself like everybody does with all these past guys I just mentioned. You're being so reasonable. You go to the, the rushing side of it, Matt, which I know we haven't talked about, but he's the number two behind Nick Chubb as far as the best rushing grade, as the best PFF rushing grade, you know, over the last, uh, you know, since 2007. Yeah. Chubb's the only one close to 90 plus two years in a row so Jacobs was an 86.9 now that's not always an indicator of you know what the future's gonna hold but it's an indicator of look given what the player was asked to do how much did they do that above and beyond what a normal player would that's essentially what that's looking at and in that scheme that they ran and the things they asked Josh Jacobs to do he graded out exceptional um, 29% tackles avoided you know rate <laughs> that's insane that that's like a number you never see 3.5 yards after contact also super healthy getting up into the range of chubb and derrick henry um 6.6 percent uh, of his uh runs went for over 15 yards so that's a breakaway uh rate of 6.6 percent that's a that's elite um 
he averaged 67% of the attempts when he was healthy. So if you, I, I like to always do this, go back. It's not just about games players missed. It's about going and finding the games. And this is a pain because you got to go dig through and you have to find actually, actually the way I find it usually is the next week they pop up on the practice report and you're like, okay, now I remember it was week seven when he hurt his shoulder. So when you go back and take those kind of games out, he averaged almost 70% of the team attempts um, you know, he was 55% of the team attempts inside the five yard line. Um, that one, I didn't adjust. Uh, I need to go back and adjust, but my guess is is more like 70% once you adjust for those games. Um, now where he really was hurt was he only ran a route on 33% of Derek Carr's dropbacks. You know, a typical RB one in fantasy is going to be up over 60 to 65%. Um, you know, or an RB two is in the 50% range, you know, below that, you know, you're getting down to, you know, not very much. I mean, he was targeted five, five percent. And that's what made him a game script dependent player last year is that, you know, when the Raiders would get behind early, it would, it, it just iced him, you know? Um, and then I think there was also some things down the stretch where he was still just, he was trying to gut it out and he wanted to keep playing, but you know, the team was starting to want to shut him down. They just didn't want to risk further uh, in future injury, knowing that the season was slipping away. Um, and you know, the, the word is that he was still pushing for it. He was like, no, I want to keep playing. And they were like, Hey, you know, we, we know you're good. <laughs> we know you're a good player. You don't have to prove it to us anymore. So I, I think he's to your point. Um, if I were just, you know, based on looking at him versus all the other running backs in the league as just a runner, I think he definitely grades out, you know, in the top six, you know, it's all a question of John Gruden for me, you know, can, can he, can he give him more work? And the thing is it wouldn't, you don't even have to jump as high as what you said. Even if you just gave him, I only have him at 7% of the targets. Even if you just got Jacobs up to like the 10 to 11% range, that would be enough because he's a good enough running back. That would be enough to, to make him worthy of top eight, top, top six conversation. All right. So I'm going to lay a little bit of knowledge on you and everyone else here. Cause I'm looking at John Gruden's history and I'm looking back when he was the Raiders coach. And he had Tyrone Wheatley, who could run the hell out of the ball inside. Charlie Garner. But couldn't catch the ball. And Napoleon Kaufman, who could run the ball inside, but he was a shrimp and really fast. And why not just let him catch the ball a little bit more? But yes, Charlie Garner. Charlie Garner. Guy who could run inside. A guy who could catch the ball. You know, guy who had 91 targets, 72 receptions, and 578 yards. Um, in his first year with the Raiders. You know, that's not bad. Then when you take a look at, you know, John Gruden's track record after Charlie Garner, well, they had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know. And when you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, what did he have in Tampa Bay? He had Mike Allstott, who could catch the football. He got 48 targets for 35 catches, but he was a fullback grinder. But you had Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman got over 200 target, 200 attempts. He had 86 targets for 59 catches. Michael Pittman could catch the football. Michael Pittman is basically a slightly worse version of Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is the player that Michael Pittman aspired to be. You know, So I look at that, and I think that when Gruden has the complete player, he will give that complete player a chance if they're a veteran. And or they've proven themselves to a degree. You know, we saw Michael Pittman with Thomas Jones. Michael Pittman and Thomas Jones split attempts as runners, but he had 121 targets for 75 catches and 597 yards in his second season with John Gruden. You know, so I, I'm... Right, but I see those as more... He's splitting that out, right? Like, it, he doesn't have either one of those guys taking on the full load as far as the rushing attempts and i and i understand that but that's because i don't think either one of them were were terrific running backs um so i think that josh jacobs is a terrific running back um and i think he's a higher level of talent to your point about the stats let me lay down some stats for you which is kind of new around here but you know (laughs) listen one of the other things about josh jacobs which is pretty awesome is that when you look at the difference between, say, his yards before contact and his yards after contact, he only really, uh, you know, you could, if you were to say, and this is not a perfect stat, but if you were to say, 
what if we call it line dependency percentage? Basically a player who like the percentage of his yards before contact versus his yards after contact. Just to, you know, now there are exceptions to that rule because like a guy like, you know, if you have a low line percentage, line dependency percentage like Nick Chubb, which is 41%, you could look at the line and look at the film and say they didn't have tackles worth a darn. They put him side-saddled Baker Mayfield. They made Baker Mayfield the focus of the offense. They The coaches were foolish, and Nick Chubb had to do a lot more to make good. And he was only and the fact that he was only dependent on his line for 41% of his yards in the sense that he wasn't touched before he, you know, before he made some of those gains, you could say he's a, a little more line-independent running back. Whereas a guy like Tevin Coleman... You know, you pretty much know 60% or more of the time he's dependent on his line. You know, you got to point him in the direction and hope that it's just a one gap that he goes through or get him into space because that's basically how he is. Now, Christian McCaffrey, you could look at that and say he has 60% of his 60% of his carries are line dependent according to that data. But if you watch him, you realize that the stat doesn't really work in that context because he actually manipulates defenders so well and manipulates blocks so well that he's that while he's not touched off and a lot of work he does is in the crease or behind the line of scrimmage that few runners can do. Matt Breda, by the way, is one of those players who can do that and has a high line dependency percentage. If he could only have stayed healthy, then guys like Jay and I would have been laughing about the fact that, you know, you know, uh, about what's going on. But if he can stay healthy, imagine what he does in Miami. So we get to our man, Josh Jacobs, 40% line dependency pretty darn low the fact that oh he averages a broken tackle um you know one per 9.3 yards per 1.9.3 attempts so basically he breaks a tackle every nine attempts nick chubb's about that range you know who's higher than that the only person who's at a lower rate than that um in the list of guys who are low line dependent runners is ronald jones might want to be keeping an eye on ronald jones folks um, but uh, but Josh Jacobs he breaks tackles. He can make you miss. He has the burst you need. He has a terrific line in front of him. Um, I just look at this player. He hasn't had a lot of mileage on him. Um, it's very possible Dwayne's right. You know, as as is often the case. But uh, you hey, know. last year you made the call on Derrick Henry, and I feel like this is that moment this year. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll find out. Next year we'll be laughing about. Well, you got Derrick Henry right, but boy, did you screw the pooch on Josh Jacobs. But I'm 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 feeling pretty darn good about Josh Jacobs. It, that because to me, you don't say a guy like him doesn't say I, I'm aiming for sixty receptions, and it's just him like his way of trying to lobby the coach to to give him 60 receptions. I think someone in that running back room said, be prepared to catch more passes, you know? And I think, so it may not be 60, it may not be 60, but I think it'll be enough that to me, even if he doesn't hit top six, you're going to get him in the, what, early to mid-second round? If you can get him in the early to mid-second round, he's going to play to his value. And here's the thing that, it's the trendy thing. It may not mean the trendy thing. It's the long-standing thing in our fantasy community. Draft for upside. I think we all know that. I think that we've all been on that bandwagon for years that you draft for upside. There's kind of a point in your draft, like, I don't know, first round, second round, third round, maybe fifth round still, maybe even sixth or seventh round, that you draft for, like, baseline. Like, you draft for, like, floor and baseline you know stats because it's like i'm not chasing i'm not chasing clyde you know we talk about clyde edwards hilaire i'm not going to go into that again or else we're going to have a raiders chiefs (laughs) well that that you'll have to that you'll have to break the pod into 12 episodes right exactly (laughs) exactly but i'm not i I did i did pull up the entire gruden history here so just i was i was was looking for it you know while you were going so 98 with Oakland. It's Napoleon Kaufman and Harvey Williams. Now there's some real throwback names there. And neither Matt. guy so, could run the ball great as a complete yeah. runner. So 16.7 rushing attempts per game for Kaufman and eight for Harvey Williams. Then third, but where Williams got on the field was 
in the receiving game. You know, 39 targets versus 36 for Kaufman. So it's like Kaufman was the lead back, uh, a little bit of the passing work, about half of it. And then the backup, you know, didn't, you know, you know, it was about half of his attempts per game, but, you know, equaled him in targets. Then the same thing, Tyrone Wheatley came in, Napoleon Kaufman moved into Harvey Williams' role from the year before. 15.1 attempts per game, 8.6 for Napoleon Kaufman, 20, 38 targets for Wheatley, 25 targets for Kaufman. The next year, same thing. Those same two guys, it's pretty much the exact same stats. Were they winning? Next year, uh, I don't know. I don't have I don't have their records. Yeah. They, these were pretty good Raider teams, so they were probably winning. Okay. This was back when Gruden. This was like when he was being, you know, yeah. built up, you know, as yeah, the best, you know, young coach in the who, game. Who who took them to the Super Bowl as a running back? Uh, I can't remember who was it. I think it was Charlie Garner. I don't know if it was or not. Okay. It might have been. Okay. It might have to go back and look. But Wheatley. Okay. Uh, and Kaufman did their thing. Then Charlie Garner in 2001. This is the year. It might have been because 2001 was Gruden's last year and he left for Tampa. Uh-huh. So when he left, Garner was the back. But Garner was uh, 13.2 attempts per game, um, eight for Tyrone Wheatley. Um, and Garner did get the 91 targets, but Tyrone Wheatley was the backup. There was uh, not a pass yeah. receiving, there you go. but there was not a pass receiving back on the team, True. right? So I could make the argument the other way. True. Uh, now, now Pittman. That was where it really became more of a, hey, we're really almost split the carries between Pittman and Allstott. Pittman got a 12.8 versus 9.1, and he did get those targets. You know, he, like you said, 86. And then the next year, Pittman got 121 targets <laughs> on 12 attempts per game versus Thomas Jones's nine attempts per game. Uh, then you got Pittman the next year. Uh, that dropped down to 65. Uh, he only played 13 games that year. Um and then you had Allstott basically at the twilight of his career, 4.8 attempts per game, 41 targets. Um, then you had Cadillac who came in, and Cadillac was really more like what we had last year with Jacobs. He, he got 21 targets or 21 attempts per game. Pittman was his backup and the receiving back, kind of like what Richard is. Uh, 46 targets for Pittman, 25 for Williams. The next year, Cadillac did pick up. He went from 25 targets to 44. What do you have? Uh, what do you have him at right now, uh, Jacobs? Seventy-two targets, sixty-five catches, somewhere around there. Sixty, sixty-two catches actually. 62 so that's catches. that's okay. So that's the clo- that that was targets. Uh, so that was forty-four targets, thirty receptions in year two. Um, then you got Ernest Graham and a bunch of injuries because Pittman was hurt that following year. And then you got you know you're on to Warwick Dunn. And Ernest also, Graham the following now, year. now we should also include when when uh, John Gruden was a coordinator in Philadelphia when he had Ricky Waters and Charlie Garner, and with Ricky Waters he had seventy three targets for forty eight receptions, four hundred forty yards, and he played had two hundred eighty five attempts and a thousand um, eleven hundred ten yards and seven touchdowns. So he got three hundred and fifty eight touches. And Charlie Garner still got 116 attempts, 547 yards, three touchdowns, and 34 catches, 34 targets, 24 catches, and 225 yards. So I'm kind of seeing, you know, I I think that, you know, to compare Josh Jacobs to Ricky Waters as a talent, that's where I'm feeling it, you know. And and I and when you look even the year before, I think the year before, we have Ricky Waters, Charlie Garner, Ricky Waters. The year before, 73 targets, 48 receptions, 444 yards. Oh, you know what? I didn't click the button very well. That button didn't go anywhere. Let's go back. Come on. There you go, 96. I know 96 was pretty good because this was my first fantasy year, I think, because I drafted Ricky Waters, and he had 70 targets, 51 receptions, 444 yards, and Garner, well, Garner was a rookie, so they didn't give him much. Um, but he did get 66 attempts for 346 yards, whereas Ricky Waters had 353 attempts for 1,411 yards. But the problem with that, you know, oh, I don't know, 400 and, you know, 401 touches for Ricky Waters was 1996 in an era that's a lot different than what it is now. So, you know, to your argument, probably unlikely that he gets Ricky Waters touches, but, you know. But I think to your point, um, you know, for me, 
what it does for me, like if in people that are listening to this and fantasy, I, you know, I think it's a good conversation where it puts me um, right now. I've got Jacobs behind Nick Chubb. This probably moves Jacobs ahead of Nick Chubb for me in that tier, uh, just because I, I could see a path right to those receptions occurring more easily than I can for Chubb just because of the cream hunt factor. Right. Right. And I just know that, you know, there's locker room dynamics, all sorts of crap you're trying to manage as a coach. And and so Kareem Hunt's going to need some kind of work, right? Um, whereas Jalen Richard, I don't think you carry the same kind of risk, right? It's like, hey, dude, we paid you your money. You're our, you're our scat back kind of guy. I think he, I don't think he's going away, but I think I, it, it paints a easier scenario to where maybe J- Jacobs gets to 10% of the targets, which would put him like, if I adjusted my targets now, you know, that put him at 52 targets, 42 receptions, you know, and I may need to have to adjust the touchdown, his touchdown to smidge, but just moving that from where I was, um, you know, gives him like a 20 point pump bump almost, which is, you know, because before I had him at 8%, no, not 20 points, but it gives him, you know, 15, 18 point bump, you know, and that's without giving him, giving him an extra half touchdown or so um, based on his reception. So, I mean, that gets him up there. Um, you know, that, that would move him ahead of the Kenyon Drakes uh, and put him right there with Clyde Edwards Alaire for my board. I know you're going to be sure. lower on Edwards Alaire, um, but it would put him a smidge above Kenyon Drake and it would put him you know, really right there with Miles Sanders as well. It would actually move him out of the tier I have him in, you know, just from a points perspective. Sure. Up one tier. All right. So really quick, we'll review the numbers and and and, and call this a, a night. But yep. Josh Jacobs, I have him at 300 attempts, 1,425 yards, 4.7 yards per attempt. Excuse me, 4.75 yards per attempt, eight touchdowns. I'm looking for him to have basically a 1,935 yards from scrimmage um, year and um, 10 total touchdowns. Jalen Richard, I have him at 55 attempts for 219 yards, two touchdowns, 40 targets, 30 catches, 280 yards, um, leading the backfield in yards per attempt, but uh, per, per catch, but not leading in yardage with one touchdown. Lynn Bowden, like I said, I'll be a monkey's uncle. Um, I'm not even giving him stats that are worthwhile. Um, and, and I will add this because it's just an argument I can't help but make because I'm feeling kind of I'm argumentative tonight, is um, with Kareem Hunt, locker room dynamics. Here's the locker room dynamic for Kareem Hunt. Shut up, Kareem Hunt. You beat up a woman <laughs> in a hotel room. You got drunk after the season because you were wallowing about it with, this, with, the, with the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. You need to be a good citizen and take what we give you so that when we, we can give you trade bait for your behind. And we can actually get a deal for you. Because otherwise, if you whine and show up as a locker room cancer, nobody's going to want you. As good of a player as you are. Anyway. <laughs> uh, that's the speech that he sounds like he should get. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, Willie. I don't know. Um, yeah, so I, I've got Jacobs at 289 attempts, so we're really close. Four and a half yards per carry, 1,299 yards. I have him at nine and a half touchdowns rushing. I gave him a little bump here on the episode. I bumped him up from the .08 to .09. So I've got him at 47 targets, 38 receptions, 282 yards, and 1.2 touchdowns. So that puts him at 260 points, which is going to move him, like I said, slightly up into like my RB10, RB9 range. And, you know, I, I do tiers. These projections are one thing, but the way I tier guys, you know, because yeah. I'm not, I'm not, you know, dumb enough to think I'm actually going to be – 100% accurate on all these things. What? I know I'm not. I know I'm not. <laughs> so I try to group them based on what I think their roles are. But what I would say is what that's going to do is not move him up a tier, but it's going to move him to the top of my tier that has, you know, he and Chubb, you know, together in it. And it's going to really be because I think that there's potentially a little more room for the receptions to come through versus with Chubb. You know, now the wild card with Chubb really is Hunt because if Hunt just acts like a dingling one more time, I mean, he's gone, and then Chubb's the number one runner in fantasy football. Right. So, I mean, you got to factor that in. Okay. Well, this was a great episode, as all these episodes are great. You can follow Dwayne McFarlane at Dwayne McFarlane 
Context Matters is his kind of his his low his uh, handle on Twitter. Um, he's at Pro Football Focus. You can find his regular podcasting at um, Fighting Fantasy um, with Brian Drake. They do excellent work over there. And <laughs> Fighting Chance Fantasy. Fighting Chance but, Fantasy. Yeah, sometimes me. we do fight on the show. Sometimes it is Fighting Fantasy. <laughs> that would be a fun episode. Can I get? There's a couple fantasy analysts I'd want to get in a ring with. To be honest with you, that would be kind of fun. Um, <laughs> we just we just invite people on and just let them I'll, square off. I'll tie one arm behind my back with a couple of them. <laughs> Trust me, I'll make it fair at least. Um, but but listen, you know he does fantastic work. So much so that I would say I'm at Matt Waldman at mattwaldmanrsp.com and the rookie scouting portfolio is available. And listen, if you love what Dwayne did at the rookie scouting portfolio and you love having Dwayne and I doing this show, then here's what you need to do. You need to stop keeping the RSP, the greatest secret that you have in fantasy football, and you need to buy a crap ton of them so that I can take Dwayne away from those schmoes at the other sites that he (laughs) works with and pay him the kind of money I could so that he will be exclusively with the RSP and we're good to go at that point because then I can just sit there and do this to like you know to you know the good folks over at those other sites because i would do that in a heartbeat if i could because that's how much um how good Dwayne is and and trust me um you better do it quickly because i might not be able to afford him by the time that comes when he blows up pro football focus so you guys have a great week thanks again and uh good night